to the truck i'm tuner here with uh michael vincent the dude what's up dude hey man it's a beautiful day from chattanooga yeah heart of frayed alley what's up my friend start of another wonderful week i love Absolutely. this uh, i love this fall weather and you know a little like groundhog day woke up it's, yeah. a, it's another monday woke up to big news about a vaccine this time from moderna and this time I'm a little bit more excited about it. If you watched our show last Monday, it was great that Pfizer came out with this vaccine. Yeah. A lot of challenges with that. We'll get to it a little bit later in the show. We'll cover all about that. But uh, I got a question for you. I was on Twitter. I was, okay. reading, I was reading our own Andrew Cox Twitter, and he was talking about the COVID strategy of Home Depot and Lowe's. And Home Depot, they worked very hard on making their digital, you know, going online, yeah. web buying, e-commerce solution yeah. work seamlessly yeah. in an omni-channel way with their physical locations. Well, Lowe's, on the other hand, decided that, you know, a lot of people during the pandemic come into store to make building projects, but they also need exercise equipment, air fryers, and other things you typically find in other stores. Which strategy do you think is the winning one? Oh, I think uh, clearly Home Depot's is the better strategy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, looking at it long term and developing solutions by the, you know, the accelerated e-commerce and changes in the consumer. Yeah. I mean, it really just accelerated things and, and make it definitely the better long term strategy rather than cashing in on. I mean, it's not like they were nefarious or anything, Lowe's, yeah. but I, I think it's a better strategy for the long term. Yeah, just cashing sure. in on trend buys and yeah, always trying yeah. to fill that. Yeah, it's, whatever it seems segment, like a short-term type of thing. Whatever sort of segment of the store you set aside to whatever. It's almost like selling seasonal goods in that sense. Yeah, exactly. It really is. But, I mean, you know, there's a reason I go to Home Depot and my wife goes to Lowe's. You, <laughs> you'd, you'd rather have one <laughs> just, really, really good hardware store than one pretty good hardware store that's also like Target. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd have yeah. to agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> we got a really exciting show today. We're going to talk to Andrew Silver about how he, how Molo plans to evolve contract bids. It's a really interesting, curious thing where he's going to oh, do that cool. sort of guarantee to shippers. We'll hear about that uh, debate on transparency and what's going on there. We have Erica Reese and uh, Adam Knight from First Gear. They're going to show us off their, uh, their really cool die-cast trucks. They're very cool. Iona Fisher from Trailer Bridge. She's going to come on. She's going to talk about culture and uh, selling culture to their people. Awesome. And Sherry uh, Sherry. Hainesh, she's going to come on and she's going to spin the wheel with us and maybe talk a little bit about, um, you know, we're talking about record e-commerce. Yeah. It's going to lead to record returns, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. You're right. Which could lead to record costs. So we'll get yeah. to all of that stuff in the show. But first, we got to tip the band. So let's get to it. On the road and off of it, the Axle Fuel Card's got your back. Get the credit you need to keep your fleet trucking. Plus, loyalty points, rewards are waiting at the next stop. Get approved at AxelFuelCard.com. Subject to credit approval. Terms and conditions may apply. Visit them right after the show. Yeah, and good morning to Melissa Morrison, who's here. said, happy Monday. TB Nation is representing Justin Smith. Also from there, (laughs) Lance Bulina, Becky Sinclair, Savannah Marshall. Of course, man, Trailer Bridge always shows up. They're already there, man. You know, there's a reason we're doing culture with that team. Like, it's not an easy (laughs) thing to get people within a company to all band together, especially in this digital environment, to just sort of jump on board and row where everyone else on the team is rowing. And Trailer Bridge has cracked that equation. Well, it's consistency, yeah. too, right? I mean, you could get everybody up for one game. Yes. But every single time. Every time. I mean, it, it, there's no joke. We talk about it because it's, it's true. <laughs> and they scale. They operate at scale. There's always a few more Trailer Bridge people because we must get around within the, the company. Like, let's let's bring some more yeah. of us on over. And all you Trailer Bridge people, invite your friends. And if you're not in Trailer Bridge, invite your friends, too. Make a good yeah. showing. Show up anyways. Hey, here's a, here's, here's a good, another good story. So we talked about the charity, the GoFundMe for, for Liam, right? Yeah. Liam Salmon. By the way, on radio, 
I had Ingrid Brown on. And Ingrid, of course, yeah. she knows everyone on the road. She knows Howard as well. Right. But we oh. had him on on Friday's show. If you missed it, it's uh, wow, it's a tough segment to listen to. But he very, very bravely and articulately talked about the DIPG, the, the, the brain cancer mm-hmm. that his son has, the inoperable, right? Yeah. Here's another charity. Charity helps bring deceased drivers home. Clarissa Hawes reports truck drivers, truck driver Robert Palm started a charity. Nearly seven years ago, Trucker's Final Mile to help desperate trucking families bring their deceased loved ones home. We're often thousands of miles away when tragedy strikes. And this is something we don't often think about, and you wouldn't think about it unless no. you were married to a truck driver or a truck driver was in your family member and they died while on the road. Well, Palm is a veteran. He served in the 101st Airborne Division of the United States Army from 1975 to 1980. Thank you for your service. And he's been in trucking for nearly 40 years. He says our mission is to reunite North American truck drivers and their families in a time of crisis. Yeah, so in 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 2020, Palm's charity, it's a 501c3, yeah. uh, helped 47 drivers' families pay the expenses when a trucker experienced a fatal heart episode or stroke or died in a highway crash. So any type of fatality uh, on the road. Ten of the 47 truckers Palm's organization helped uh, bring home were, were veterans. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he said, this is a way I can help my family out on the road. He said, these drivers are my brothers and sisters. And it is a true brotherhood on the own, a brotherhood of, of, of on the road, a brotherhood of Iron. This year, though, 29 children lost a trucking parent mm. that Palm's group helped get home. So a lot more were lost, but his group helped 29. His organization founded Sleigh Bells and Santa to ensure these children have presents under their Christmas tree. Lose a father, lose a mother, not easy to get those under yeah. there. Palm said the organization wants to help these children long-term by establishing fifty five hundred dollars 529 college saving plans for children age 18 or younger who have lost a trucking parent that Trucker's Final Mile hopes to bring home. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's really great stuff that he that they're trying to do there. And while Palm's group seems to, they're finding ways to help these families in, in many different ways. Uh, but their funds are dwindling, dude. Unfortunately, Truckers Final Mile and countless other charities, as you know, yeah, uh, they've taken fi- massive financial hits in 2020 with all the truck shows and that type of stuff being closed. And many of those truck shows, those live events, which are the main sources, being closed in 2021 as well. And that's their primary source of funding. We found that out with uh, St. Christopher's Truckers yeah. Relief Fund. Uh, we spread some awareness for that. And I'm not saying we're, we're necessarily responsible, but ever since we started talking about it, they were able to bring some of those money in. And, uh, you know, maybe some of those groups should jump on this, this virtual scene as well. We can help them out. Absolutely. Happy to, happy to cover this story here, too. It's a great charity. I'll also put a link in the show notes. So if you're listening to this or you're reading the article, there'll be a link in case you want to help them out. Help some truckers' kids at Christmas and help uh, some families bring their loved ones back home at the hardest time imaginable. Yeah, absolutely. Anything we can do to help bring some peace and, and uh, uh, a little bit of solace to the people who are, you know, stricken tragic, especially kids. My heart goes out to the kids. Absolutely. Um, here's some breaking news. The FMCSA rules that Washington state can no longer enforce their own meal and rest break laws. That's right. John Gallagher reports federal regulators have determined that the state of Washington's meal and rest break laws are preempted for commercial trucks subject to federal hours of service regulations because, of course, they're federal, right? Supersede yep. state. In a decision to be published Tuesday, the FMCSA granted a petition filed last year by the Washington Trucking Association, that's a WTA, requesting the agency make that determination. Those drivers needed some clarity on what's happening here. Yeah, absolutely. The FMCSC, basically, they declared that Washington's laws cannot supersede federal laws and that Washington's, uh, uh, their meal rest breaks uh, laws are too stringent, don't represent additional safety benefits, and ultimately are incompatible with existing hours of service regulations. Yeah. Wow. Which you kind of saw this coming. With the, uh, did they not have a similar decision with uh, California? 
they, they did. And I mean, this comes up where any sort of state law rubs up against a yeah. a, uh, a federal law. Yeah. And it happens with, uh, uh, you know, with the Heim truckers, too. I mean, this is one of those things where just, you know, the law of the land is, is going to supersede it. So yeah. uh, they got some clarity. I'm not sure if it's what they wanted, because this was the Washington Trucking Association who asked for this clarity. But at least they know where they sit. You know, and uncertainty is uh, the death of business or it can be. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. I mean, a California law was even less so stringent, I guess, or onerous, as they put it, on, on, the, on the drivers. Because this particular one, you had to not only make those brakes available under Washington law, but you had to ensure that the employees took it. Yeah. Which was one step further than the Washington law had done. Well, look, even more trailer bridgers are showing. I'm Justin Smith, TB Strong. I'm the uh, uh, Indy Bowman. She says, I'm the president of the Iona Fisher fan club. Iona will genuine, inspirational, and a whole other level. Wow, well, we're seeing all this great stuff. So let's bring her up on the air and, and, uh, and, and find out if it's true. We're sure it is. <laughs> Iona, is. thanks for joining us on What the Truck today. Hey, guys. I'm so happy to be here. It's Alona, just so you know. Oh, sorry, I, Alona. Yeah, thank no, you. No worries. No worries. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm terrible at pronouncing I mean, anything. I I love that you guys keep talking about value and caring because that's who we are as an organization, and that's that really sums up our marketing. It's it's a great place to be. I can't believe we've got all these awesome Trailer Bridge people on. Thank you guys. Yeah. How do you, so what is the secret? How do you get them all to follow in mass? Whenever trailer bridge makes an appearance, you travel strong. You're like the Pittsburgh Steelers or something. You go on the road and it fills up with yellow and black. I tell you, it, it's really, it, it's just all about love. I mean, we have something so special at trailer bridge and it is our company culture. It is. So I, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So sorry. Um, I got a little feedback. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, our, our people, are our culture and our culture is our brand and that's who we are we are tv nation we we care about each other we care about um i mean we we care about each other so wholeheartedly that um i mean you could talk to any of our employees and they'll they can give you a plethora of stories um about just the fun times we have whether it's nerf gun wars or how we've been able to service a customer like um like providing hay to um, to an organization in Puerto Rico and shipping that to um, one of our one of our directors actually his daughter he gave me permission to say this um, but his daughter had cancer and um, and he was sitting there one day in the hospital looking at um, yeah she's going through chemo looking up at the IV bags wondering what he's doing with his time and he looks up and he sees the IV bag is manufactured by the company that we ship IV bags for. And he looks up and he goes, he's like, oh my God, I had a little part in my experience right now because his, all of his team, our trailer bridge is responsible for bringing things to people, to families. And that's an excellent example of how one person is changed by what we do for our families at trailer bridge. That is excellent stuff. You know, when when you have this type of this type of marketing or this type of culture, which truly is there, and, and Dooner and I have spoken about it. Every time you guys are on the show, the nation follows you guys. It's uh, the TB Nation follows you guys. It's it's amazing. When you're marketing this type of stuff. It, it absolutely has to help you to be able to market these things. Many people try and try and market these things, and they're kind of falsely talking about these things. Talk about the reality of the culture there and how that helps you in the marketing. 
Absolutely. Well, I think it comes from building a strong foundation. And Mitch and Indy and our entire executive team did a, a remarkable job a few years ago developing the our, our core values, which is our TB12. And it's all about it, being authentic, being honest, being passionate, serving each other, serving our customers. And the way we treat our customers is the way we treat each other and vice versa. So, I mean, when when you're treating each other well and loving each other, our customers feel that. And it comes back to those same types of values that those TB12 core values, you know, purchases are influenced by a person's value. And I think the number is something like 75% of people buy based on what their beliefs are. So, um, so that's, that's who we are. We don't really sell. We, we are a, a nation, TV nation of, um, of just great people who love serving others. We love what we do and that it doesn't make it hard to market that. We just share our experiences. Brokerage, marketing may not be the hard part, but how do you make people believe it? Because brokerage, you know, brokerages can have a, uh, a negative perception, is fair to say, right? As, yeah, as you absolutely. know, you go in there, it's a grinder. They, you're just a number. They chew you up and spit you out. If you don't make your numbers, you don't book enough shipments, you don't do whatever, you're out the door within a year and it's interchangeable and you just go to another job. So how do you just, how do you, how do you clear out that perception? Well, I tell you, we've got um, a single point of contact for all of our customers, and that makes the big difference. They don't have to call. There's nothing automated. Um, it's you know, automated intelligence, right? Um, it's it's not about that. It's about truly serving the the end user and knowing what's inside of that that dry van or that container going down to Puerto Rico or Dominican Republic. Um, it's it's not it's not so much as um, like I said, selling the services, but it's about supporting what our values are. And um, we we have strong values. And that's I think that's what people on the brokerage side feel on the other end of the line. Um, so I think that's that's kind of what sets us apart. Yeah, you know, we often talk about, you know, the quality, the quality companies and, and everybody makes mistakes. It's how you handle those mistakes and, and service yeah. your customers when there's issues and, and things that need to be solved. You wouldn't have a job if there weren't things to solve. Right. That's what we do in logistics is we, is we solve things. Right. But the Dooner's point when he's talking about uh, or, or to expand on that a little bit, when you're, you're talking about, you know, brokers can come and it's just a meat grinder and that type yeah. of stuff. I would imagine that your, your marketing efforts are towards. Uh, bringing in quality employees in those brokers. And do you find that this, when they get there and being able to display this real culture, you're bringing in better talent from the, from the onset? Well, we are. And we're really particular on the kind of talent that we bring on board. Uh, there's, I think it's a, a quote by the Netflix CEO who said that there, there are no kind jerks. Um, something to that <laughs> effect. I think that's totally right. But um and that's true at Trailer Bridge and, and what we do is that we hire kind people who care, but who are also, I don't know, am I allowed to say this, badasses that really get the job done. I mean, we work hard, play hard, and we're we're honest with our customers. And we'll, you know, we're accountable. If we make a mistake, we'll raise our hand and say, oh my God, we screwed up. And the hope is that we learn from those lessons. So the the idea that brokerages are um, you know, just Come, sometimes have a negative connotation. Well, I think the fact that we've got assets and we've had assets for nearly 30 years, we've been around, we're not a typical brokerage. 
we're, we're more than that. And we take that quality of service and that level of service that we provide to our Caribbean business and our ocean business over to our brokerage side. And so it's it's the people. I mean, our customers feel our people. And and here they are on LinkedIn today and on FreightWaves um, following all of us. Indy says uh, there are no brilliant jerks on a dream team from uh, from from the Netflix one. I think that's oh, the, there you go. the direct quote. How important is it to identify those jerks, that toxic element and remove them from TV? Oh, my gosh. So critical. And I tell you, I've seen it done since I joined the company nearly two years ago. And it's, um, you know, when uh, Mitch puts his money where his mouth is, when when someone when when someone doesn't have those core values um, in their heart and they don't they don't believe it and there's gossip and things like that, we can't tolerate that. That's going to kill a culture in a second, you know. But when uh, when we have people who are motivated by the same thing, which is which is really helping that hardworking family get the groceries they need, helping the the military, that soldier get the boots that he needs. Um, it's, it's providing the materials, shipping the materials to Puerto Rico to build and rebuild. That's what it's about for, um, for Trailer Bridge employees. And, and every one of us has a heart. And, and we share that heart with others. And so it just, it makes being at Trailer Bridge so easy and so great because, you know, I, I like to, I want to speak for everybody when, when I say, and I certainly know I'm speaking for myself, that I, we enjoy coming to work. You know, someone, um, I'm going to throw Catfish out real quick. Catfish is, is awesome. He's, he works um, on our maintenance team and uh, we've got some amazing individuals. So Catfish said to me one time, he goes, you know, Alona, when I come into work at Trailer Bridge, it's like, I'm coming into my family. I'm, I'm, I'm walking into my family and that's what it's about. It's about loving each other so much, um, good, bad, and indifferent. Every day is not perfect, but it's truly about loving and admiring and respecting the people that you work with. Well, based on name alone, I think that you have to send us catfish next time. We have to see catfish. Yeah, we got to talk color. to this catfish <laughs> on the camera. You know this, this. So this term, like drinking the Kool Aid, it kind of has a negative connotation, right? During yeah. the but, but a lot of here. Do you look for people who come in and are? are do you need to hire people who already drink Kool Aid, uh, or do you have to? Or is there a cultural shift? Are you identifying these great employees who are already bought in at the point of hire? Yeah, I know. You know, we've got such a special thing here, like nothing I've ever experienced before. And so um, in a corporation. So we really we are very particular about the types of people that we're board and um, and they have to care and they have to be kind and respectful because I'm mean, just look at the situation right now, just around us, the political climate. Um, it seems to that there's just no respect for anyone anymore. But at Trailer Bridge, we've navigated through this and we've navigated, um, we're navigating through COVID and we're all supporting each other and loving each other. And that's just the Trailer Bridge difference. Wow. Lorraine Morrow, she says, I was working from home because of COVID and asked to come back to work. <laughs> and then a lot of people are here just reacting to Catfish. A lot of people are very happy about Catfish. So if we want to send people... If we want to send people over to Trailer Bridge and uh, they want to catch their own catfish, how do we go about doing that? <laughs> get get a get a hole, right? Um, go come over to trailerbridge.com, check out our careers page, and um, and check out our services page. So wow. we we're always looking for amazing talent. Amber Humphreys and and Becky Sinclair, um, they are they're on it. They're looking well, thank, for great employees. Thank you very much for your time today. We appreciate it, and thanks uh, for your team for joining us too. 
You guys, thank you. Take care. Wow. Yeah, right? I mean, they're always so positive. They're always so positive. We spoke, <laughs> we've spoken to a number of the leaders, right? And you yeah. know what they say, you know, attitude respects, uh, uh, reflects leadership. Oh, absolutely. Right? And you can tell that they're just genuine there. Uh, unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah. Let's, let's bring uh, Sherry Heinish up out of Washington, D.C. She's the supply chain queen. So we're going to talk oh, to some yeah. royalty. That's right. Right now. King us, Sherry. You are anointed, sir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> dun, dun. Here, I'll, I'll do it for you. <laughs> I'll along. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here and not talk about supply chain. Yeah. Well, oh, I, I, oh. did, I did warn you. I do have one, one small serious question, but I think it'll be an easy one for you. And I'm sure you'll be able to answer it. But we're talking about these record e-commerce volumes, right? Especially throughout COVID. And now we've got holiday coming up. I mean, some people are saying Amazon could get up to Scott Scott Galloway was saying Amazon get up to $4,000 a share once the earnings come in from all wow. these holiday return, all these holiday sales. Yeah. But holiday sales means a heck of a lot of returns, too. So it could be very costly for some retailers. You got any prediction on that? It's a real issue. I think the likelihood of an item being returned when it's purchased online is two to five times an in-store purchase. And when you think about COVID, like you've mentioned, I mean, it's it's 90% of retail transactions were happening in the store, and now everything shifted online. The thing that I would urge people is please try to understand the true cost of returning an item that you buy online. The environmental cost, I mean, a lot of those things can't be repurposed. Uh, they're not reused because we don't have the circular economy infrastructure set up yet. And we talked about that the last time that I was on. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be tough. And I think for the, those small uh, to medium-sized businesses and retailers that haven't adopted uh, digital retail environments, I don't know that they're going to survive, which is sad. But you know, you know what? I mean, this brings up an opportunity. So, you know, when like recycling, they, they do yeah. all these different TV commercials and you have to you have to change behavior. You have mm-hmm. to change people's behavior like you're saying here. Right. Do we have to start doing something like I'm not saying shame people, but make them aware like I'm a green buyer makes make people assume that identity. Do you think, Sherry? Yeah. Yeah, those identities, uh, they exist already. If you look at some of the research that's been put out over the last two decades from the Natural Marketing Institute, there are specific consumer segments like the Lojas and the Naturalites. And what those segments do is they share where people are in the green revolution in their green journey. Um, I think that it's important to hold people accountable. And this is a really wicked argument, and I don't want to upset anyone, but uh, (laughs) you think about, like, how easy would it be to put the carbon footprint of an item or even, like, how much water or what the material utility is? So how many recycled materials have gone into the, the item that you're purchasing on a receipt? Just let people know and be transparent. Hey, Just so you're aware, if you return this item, this is your impact in the world that we share. Would that information change someone's behavior? I think it would. And I think that the research supports that about 40% of the U.S. buying population might make a different decision. So I think that there is a better way. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the way the whole source has been marketed to us, like Amazon is like super simple returns, all the clothing retailers, super easy returns. So they get yeah. people to buy this stuff. We never think about the impact. But, you know, th- is this too serious of a conversation? No, I think it's a very interesting conversation. I agree with both of you. And yeah. you don't have to worry about offending anybody. You are the queen. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but, uh, I'm more wait, of a rebel. To <laughs> I promised her. I promised her no serious questions. And I already I already. It I wasn't, already but lied. I just like to concur with okay. her. That, that it's, it's the education to the consumer. Yeah. And to your point, they've been fed convenience, 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 immediate gratification, and they don't understand the impact of those things. The impact on carbon or your carbon footprint just on choosing next day or second day versus get it to me in a week or, or seven days is enormous. Yeah. And then, yeah, absolutely, the return policy and understanding what happens with those goods when you return them, I think would have a huge impact on a large percent. I think 40 percent sounds about right. Yeah. Sherry, Sherry, you're ready to face the wheel? I'm ready. <laughs> Uh-oh. She, she's one of the first people to specifically request the wheel. Some are like, yeah, I'll, it's okay if you ask a wheel question. She was yeah. like, I want a segment built around the wheel, which oh. is the easiest oh, thing I for do. us to do. And can I just, can I tell you one thing? When you did the wrestling, uh, the, the wrestling question, I was like, Nacho Libre. <laughs> <laughs> no no well, one that, got it. I get it. I got it. I got Nacho it. Libre. Yeah. yeah, of course. Not with, uh, with Jack Black. I love yeah. the uh, surprise baptism in that one. The guy's just like sitting in the back of the locker room, and then he just runs back and dumps his. He puts a holy wa- a bowl of holy water on his head. And yeah, dumps it. Fantastic movie. Hilarious. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Do we get All music right. for this? I, I wish. I wish. I got to plug in my soundboard deep, tomorrow. Deep, Maybe deep, we can put deep, like a, a music box on this. So we got to get to it. Let's Maybe spin. We Let's get Kevin Hillier to beat that question mark is dealer's choice. So we'll see what that is. But what is this? Oh, oh! How do you deal with a roommate or a coworker or a uh, significant other who steals your food? Like from the refrigerator. I hate this. Okay. Because if I, even when I put my name on it, it's like, it's a beacon. It's like, there's an alert, like, please eat this. Please take this. How I deal with it normally when, when my husband eats my food, um, I just make him buy me more. That's not a cool answer. But like when I was in college and people would do it, I would prob I would do things I probably wouldn't name. Should I share? Yeah, sure. like would you booby trap it? Like put a mouse trap between two slices of bread or something? <laughs> okay, I can't believe I'm going to share this. I don't think I've ever told anyone except one person. So I was living in a converted loft space in Baltimore, and and I have a thing for like coffee ice cream, and it was probably Starbucks brand. It was pretty expensive back then. I didn't have a lot of money, and uh, there was a roommate that kept eating it. So I did something really bad. I, I waited until it got like down to the bottom. And I did a naughty thing. <laughs> naughty, naughty thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay is I that a... spit in it. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, it could have been worse. I thought maybe the Lex Lax or something. I, or... I mean, no. she said college, too. We've all made some bad decisions there. Right, we, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Next question. Now, Next are you, question. Are you okay with, like, nuclear heat warfare, Michael Vin? Do you like hot food? Do I like what? Like hot food, spicy food? Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you had a sandwich stealing oh, yeah. problem, would you put, like, some ghost pepper sauce in there and then find the culprit anyway, I, yeah probably yeah yeah that's <laughs> fair game. all right let's probably get you another one let's get you another one i like your yeah, i like your candor though i like your candor and i provocative enough though i, I like that you admitted okay edgy. oh we got a dealer's choice so dealer's choice is the worst buzzword in freight blockchain blockchain 
Uh, <laughs> Interesting. Visibility? No, I got to ask you something because a lot of people were marketing blockchain a couple years ago when a lot oh, of yeah. as the sustainability solution for consumer goods so people could track the supply chain on it. I know it's used in like palm oil, but I've also heard that like, especially since the beginning of this year from like VCs, if you have the word blockchain in your pitch deck, they, they don't even want you to come through the door. Yeah, I like the promise of blockchain, uh, chain of custody, multi-tier orchestration, provenance, all of those things that go into blockchain, super, super cool. It blows up big box ERP. That's another cool element. But yeah, it hasn't really lived up to the hype yet. Yeah, yeah, no, it's going to take some time. You remember the guy put uh, blockchain on the iced tea or whatever, and his stock went like through the roof yeah. just like three years ago? Yeah, yeah. Like, but where is he now? Yeah, who knows? Know. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's not, not so sexy now. <laughs> no, not, not really. Well, all right, let's give it. Let's give another. Uh, let's give another round the wheel. See if we get a, a good one this time. What do we got coming up? Round and round it goes. Okay, what does this say? I can't even read my own handwriting. Oh, okay. You you buy a PS5 from a guy in a back alley, but open it and a brick is inside. How do you get revenge? I don't. I don't. I figure that she you offers know, him for- some Starbucks ice cream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have totally been scammed in my life. And I, instead of getting mad, I think, well, whatever that person was going through, like they probably really needed the money. And that's just like my what would Jesus do points. I'm like, God bless you. I don't wow. feed into that sort of thing. Yeah. You can just rip people off, like, on eBay anyway. They're, like, $2,000 for a PS5. We'll get to it a little later in Good News, Bad News, but Ooh, they're, wow. they're really expensive Too right great. now. Jeez. Sherry, I, you know, despite the fact that you spit in coffee ice cream, you've been a, a great <laughs> guest with... Uh, I can't with, believe <laughs> I said that. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been worse. Actually, the weirdest thing that happened to me in college, we had a, I was at Bangton College, Vermont, and there was, a, uh, there was a blackout, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, this girl comes screaming and running out of the bathroom. And we had co-ed bathrooms there. So we all run into the bathroom to see what's happening. And then someone goes, check the toilet. It's like, I don't want to check the toilet. We look inside. There's a bat flopping around inside the toilet. (laughs) It flew up and hit her on the butt. And she she went out of there like a rocket ship. (laughs) Nice. All right, uh, Sherry, where do we send people who want to learn more about Supply Chain Revolution and connect with you? Supplychainqueen.com and Supply Chain Revolution, wherever you get your podcast. Perfect. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Sherry. Thank wow. you. Have a great one. Thanks, she, Sherry. She went for a tour around the world and around the wheel. She did. I learned some things about Sherry. I did too. You can rip her off yeah. by, you know, selling her a brick for two grand. Yeah. But don't touch her ice cream. Don't touch her ice cream. That's a bad di- bad idea. It's weird how we put values to certain things. I guess <laughs> like, there's no like real <laughs> cost logic behind it. No. Well, no one's, no one's really cool. We're going to get so Christmas coming up, right? Holiday season's coming up. It you is. got to get some gifts for everybody. You like truck, you like truck, you like this show. So you're probably going to like our next guest from First Gear. We're talking to uh, Erica and Adam Knight from there. And they have uh, some really cool die cast trucks that they do over at uh, First Gear right out of Iowa. Let's bring them up. Hey, Erica. Hey, Adam. Hey, hey guys. How's it going? Hey, guys. How are, uh, are you both out of Iowa right now? We are. Yeah. <laughs> Same building, different offices. <laughs> So tell us, tell us, Erica, tell us a little bit about First Gear, people who aren't familiar. I, I, you know, in the lead-in, I said you make these die-cast trucks, but they always have to be seen to be believed because they're pretty, they're pretty high-end stuff. They're not necessarily the things. You, you know, one time I got a Yang Ming truck. Yeah. Like, I was, at a, uh, I was at a conference. The one they gave away there, you open up, the paint rubs off on your fingers, the side view, the rear view mirrors fall off the side. It was garbage. Yeah. But the ones they make are not. 
That's correct. We've been doing this for over 25 years, so we've got it nailed down to a science. And what we manufacture are collectibles. These are age-graded 14+. plus. They're definitely something you put out on display, you look at high-precision die-cast replicas. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. So do you, do you do custom trucks there and that type of stuff? or? Wow. We do. Absolutely. Yes. Actually, we did a recent truck run um, for a carrier out of Atlanta, Georgia called Quest Trucking. Got one of those here. Kind of hard to see. But as you can see, I mean, this is highly detailed. Um, so what really neat thing about this company is they do trailers uh, with a purpose. And this particular truck uh, focused on the Rosie the Riveter design. So it really honors women in the military. And this is a real actual truck. You'll see this thing going down the road. And we turned it into a small-scale replica, complete with your reefer unit. You open up that rear door. There's an interior compartment. And the detail doesn't stop on the trailers. Even the truck itself, you've got an opening hood, so you can see all that nice engine detail in there. Wheels move. Very nice piece. Wow. Very cool stuff. Yeah, lovely shot of you just now, too. Yeah, it was. I was, I, well, I was <laughs> I looking at the monitor like trying this. to see it. <laughs> I like, that definitely had to get that one in there. She had me hooked. <laughs> yeah, let's cut away from the truck to see. I'll <laughs> take seven of them, please. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I would have hit when I was when I was like when I was a teenager, I would have hit like bad things in the back of that truck. Oh, oh that yeah, that would have been like good hiding it spot. Was a, a re- yeah. It was a reefer unit. Was a is re- that what you're? Yeah, well, uh, you know, let's not we'll go that far. I won't be as revelatory as Sherry about the. Uh... So wait, how did you guys get into this racket? How did you get into making high-end die-cast uh, trucks that are just you know super screen accurate? Sure. Actually, I'm going to turn that question over to Adam Knight. He'll be able yeah. to answer a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. So um, my father's actually the owner of First Gear, oh. and. He, he stems from a whole background in toy design, and uh, out here in Iowa, it's kind of die-cast alley. We, uh, in, if you were out here in the 80s, 90s, there was a company called Ertl Toys, and in 92, my father worked there, and he took about five or six employees with him from Ertl, and they formed First Gear, and First Gear specialized in making die-cast trucks. And uh, we primarily focus on custom imprinting for businesses, the trucking industry, construction. Um, if you have a truck in your business and want that truck uh, represented for your brand in diecast form, we can make it for you. And um, yeah, and then we started offering collectibles uh, for the collector market, and that's been really popular. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how we got started, and uh, here we are now. What? I think it's our 28th year in business and, and we're trucking right along. It's very cool. So can someone like uh, just ha- have a single unit made custom for them or do you, are they multi runs? You can handle that question, Erica, if you like. Sure. So we typically don't do the one-offs. There are people okay. out there that will do that type of service for you, but we are in the business of doing larger runs for companies. Gotcha. Well, so Adam, you're the creative director over there. So how do you decide, how do you flex your creative muscle? How do you go, you know what, this is a great, you know, I know you have like an ACDC truck, you have an Elvira truck. How do you pick those licenses and how do you decide what's going to really sell and and be impactful to collectors? Definitely. That's a great question. Um, It's tricky. I look for, well, one, we've got a series called that I came out with last, well, I guess just this year. Um, called Big Rigs, and it's all about real trucks and real drivers. Um, and 
that series is all about finding really cool show trucks, finding trucks that are just just hot. I mean, you, you see that truck and you're like, that's an awesome truck. And I try to work with real people and real companies on, and these are guys that they can't uh, invest in a huge run of trucks for their business. Um, so I get in there, talk to those guys, and um, I usually strike a deal with them where, if, hey, I'll give you some trucks if you let me you know, make this truck for our collector market. And it's it's gone really well. Um, we just came out with our third release in the series, and it blew out the minute we announced it. So that was that was really cool to see. Um, but in cho- in terms of choosing other licenses, I try to go for things that will resonate well with our market. So when I think trucking industry and growing up, um, I had a an uncle who was a truck driver, and I think of classic music, like classic rock music, uh, and of course. The biggest band that came to mind when I was, you know, thinking about that, what would, what kind of music group would jive well with our brand? Uh, ACDC came to mind. I thought that would be a great program. And as I was looking into it, it turns out that this year was their 40th anniversary for their Back in Black album. And so that's, uh, that's what we came out with for this holiday season is the uh, all decked out black. Uh, it's a Mac Superliner with a Kentucky moving trailer and uh, it's supposed to be as if it was the band's, uh, you know, tour truck for, for that album. Have you guys ever done the maximum overdrive truck with the, uh, with the green goblin on the front and the uh, purple hat? Have you guys ever done that one? And we haven't, we've had people ask us about that, but yeah, we definitely like to get into making uh, more movie themed trucks. I think that'd be a lot of fun. That would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. would really be awesome. What are some of the other the other things that you do? Now you talked about the big uh, uh, or the big rigs, and you talked about um, you did the ACDC type of uh, back in black thing. Um, yeah. What are some of the other lines that you guys have? Do you like for veterans yeah. that type of stuff or anything? Yeah, um, I know Erica has got a sample with her. We've done a few charity programs with Mack trucks. Uh, we did a veterans program, uh, breast cancer awareness program. Um, we also honor a lot of the truck companies that are no longer with us. We have a, a consumer line called Fallen Flags, and we are at number 35 uh, with the different amount of collectibles that you can collect for the Fallen Flag series. So that's it's been a lot of fun to... Uh, go in and find these companies that are no longer with us, try to replicate their brand as best as we can for what information we can find and uh, offer that to collectors. And, um, you know, it's really special when you meet somebody or see somebody online who says, oh, I used to work for that company or, you know, my my father or my grandfather worked for that company. And they really cherish those models as it's, uh, you know, it's a connection for them to, to somebody who may no longer be they you know may may no longer be with them or um, just a great family memory. So very cool, very yeah. very cool. And what would is there something about diecast? Diecast is like a very interesting industry. Like I remember when I was a kid in the eighties, like my Matchbox cars. If I took one and pelted my sister in the head with it, it would leave like a welt. But my kids have the cars now, and there's there's definitely not as much diecast in in the cars like the weight has changed completely is has diecast gotten considerably more expensive have companies just gotten cheaper trying to maximize profits uh you're in diecast alley what's up there what do you think erica 
I think it's it's a mix of things. And I, I was actually one of those kids, too. I remember one of my first die cast models was an airplane. And I got in a lot of trouble when I decided to try and make that thing fly. <laughs> <laughs> because that was, that was all die cast. And it wasn't, you know, just kind of plastic metal components. Um, but even today, you know, obviously costs have gone up with production. And we offer different uh, types of materials that customers can pick from. Um, so if they want, say, an all-die-cast tractor and all-die-cast trailer, they can do that. Um, a prime example of that is, like, the Quest truck uh, that we started with. Now we also have, um, like, the Salute to Service Mac trucks um, item that we have. This is a more plastic-type material for the trailer. So it's definitely a lot lighter as opposed to your heavy die-cast cab. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've evolved um, as consumer preferences have evolved. Wow. Well, Erica, where do we send people who, uh, who like the look of these trucks? I think they're fantastic. Uh, what's your website? Absolutely. It's firstgearonline.com, and we actually just launched a new website. So go over, check it out. Thank you. We, we really appreciate it. It's very cool. It I was really just cool. checking it out. They got ornaments for your Christmas tree. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. Take care, guys. Have a good one. You Thank too. You. Fantastic. You know, we're going to talk to uh, the, the birthday boy now, Andrew Silver. Is it Molo's birthday? Is it his birthday? It's somebody's birthday today. <laughs> I'm never going to live that down. You're it wasn't good even for a my song. fault. Let's Happy bring in birthday. Andrew Silver, CEO over at Molo. Let's bring him. Andrew, what's up, man? This birthday thing. When does it end? I, I don't, I don't know. know. I, I have one mistake, you know. I... Andrew, where are you right now? You look like you got a lovely scenic backdrop. I'm in, I'm in the office. We've got uh, limited capacity here in the office. Chicago's basically on lockdown again, but we're an essential business, so we've got about 50 of our people here out of the 300. Pretty spread out, but we're still here at least. Wow. So you're celebrating your birthday today in the office. <laughs> my birthday's in three months, so don't oh, there forget you go. it. See? That, <laughs> it is not my birthday. <laughs> That's the thing. Is I, yeah. <laughs> well, Andrew. has got to end at some point. I, it has to. Andrew, it for the record, I, you won that debate. For the record, you won the debate. Oh, you were getting like triple team, so it wasn't unfair. You know, you were on not on friendly grounds. You should you should host debate number two here, and you maybe have a, little, a few more judges on your side. If you guys set it up, I'm in. I told uh, I told Craig and JP that last year. I think whenever I spoke at the, the Freightways event last year, I was down to do that. They wanted to do it with Trigger, but he didn't want to. Oh, we'll, we'll get him. We'll get him. If you do a drum, maybe he wants to do like a drum off against you, and then like a debate off. And then he we have to come up with a third thing. Off. Yeah. Who Drieger would? Yeah. Yeah, for well, sure. Andrew, you made a, you made a prediction on LinkedIn. You said that, you know, with, with lanes going up 12, 1500 for 50, hundred mile hauls over in uh, Los Angeles, you said November is going to be the most expensive or could be the most expensive month for freight. Is that what you're seeing over at Molo right now? So it's been a little up and down. There were a couple of days where it seemed like it was cooling off a bit, but no, I mean, this, this Friday was Friday was absolute chaos, especially on the West coast loads out of the Northwest and California were going for astronomical numbers. I mean, plenty of five digit loads being booked, uh, 10,000 bucks and more. So it, it's definitely been, it's been challenging. It's been chaotic. I think you're seeing a little bit of panic buying start to happen again as, uh, some cities throughout the country are shutting down. What do the store shelves in Chicago look like with that, with that lockdown? You can, can you get toilet paper? I, I think you can. I have not been to a grocery store in the last two weeks. I've been avoiding it. I've used Instacart and whatever to get the stuff delivered. But um, I think I think they're still available. But it's it's certainly it's certainly going out in stock. 
Wow. So you, you mentioned, you know, it looked like it was cooling off a little bit and then Friday was completely crazy. And now you got these lockdowns going. What are you looking at the rest of November and into, into December? I mean, we've got Thanksgiving coming up here in, in a week and a half, right? So, I mean, anybody who's shipping food, is, is it, it's going to be busy, despite the fact that I think they're trying to cancel a lot of Thanksgivings. Um, I, I would expect it will continue to be crazy. I mean, it's there's, there's no reason it wouldn't be leading up to the holidays. Transparency, broker transparency, been a big, big topic this year. Uh, died down a little bit after rates went back up and all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, carriers were coming at brokers' throats back in in April, you posted recently, you said that you're thinking about a program and you're curious if it would work. And I'm curious if it is working. You said that shippers provide lane details, volume, uh, time period and service level expectations. Molo, on the other hand, provides a rate to meet those needs. And if you fail to meet them, you're guaranteeing it at $500 a payment to the shipper. Have you enacted this? What are your plans with that? Tell us a little bit about the, uh, the thesis behind this. So ironically, this stemmed out of that debate I had. Uh, you know, Convoy, great company. They came up with this thing, guaranteed primary, right? And what that guaranteed primary really is, is a cost plus program. So it did get me thinking though, what, what should a guaranteed primary program look like? If there's a guarantee, there has to be some kind of um, penalty, I guess, to, to the provider if they don't follow through on the guarantee. So here's the thing, you know, we have not engaged anyone committed yet on this program, but I've had a few conversations uh, the most interested parties seem to be those in the food and beverage CPG space who have to deal with Walmart. Walmart obviously has some of the strictest guidelines around their OTIF policies on time and full. And if if their vendors are not meeting those requirements, they have some very hefty fines, much more significant than the difference in 10 cents per mile on freight. So I've been talking to a lot, a few large large CPG companies who said, hey, you know, would you actually do this? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Give me, give me an understanding of what it is you need and we'll craft a solution that makes sense geared towards that. So, you know, when I came up with this, it wasn't, when we came up with this, it wasn't meant to be a, hey, this is exactly what it is. It's a, hey, let's understand what your requirements are and figure out a solution that makes sense for you. Because if you go back to the essence or the, the core problem with a lot of brokers is they can't be trusted. And specifically, you talk about contractual rates. I don't even understand why they use the term contractual because there's nothing contractually binding about the rates. Everybody saw this in August and September, in September when rates peaked. Very few brokers continued to execute on their quote-unquote contractual rates. So for me, this was, this was a way for us to further differentiate and show shippers that, hey, we actually follow through. Right. Some some, you know, naysayers. I had plenty of naysayers when I posted this, people who, who didn't really like the idea. And and what they would say is, well, you're just going to give it back to avoid paying f or pay 500 instead of paying more than that. If the load's going to cost more. It's like, listen, we haven't given back any loads, whether they're spot or contractual in the three and a half years we've been doing this. There's no reason we would start. However, we do want to give shippers a little bit more comfort for those that really think service matters. For those that it really does matter that their product gets their shippers in time, why not leverage a service like this where we'll put our money where our mouth is? Yeah, I mean, contract rates are so BS that, you know, in Sonar, we track this stuff. 27% of, of shipments yeah. are being rejected, right? Yeah, yeah contracted that's how, rates. That's how great the contract <laughs> is. It's written in uh, in fake blood. Yeah, paper rates. Yeah. We, we, we call them paper rates because you're 100% right. It's been there for, for forever. It's kind of been that way. When you're crafting these things together on on your on your guarantee here, uh, 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 Andrew, are, are there are there levels of of volumes et cetera that are on, or is there a penalty to the shipper if they don't fulfill part of this obligation, or is it completely on you, or how do you contract? Is that like on a case by case, like you said, uh, just negotiating when you talk to what their needs are and you craft the solution? 
it's it's entirely situational, right? So, you know, a shipper might tell me, hey, I just need you to be at 92% on time on this amount of volume out of these areas. And I'll say, okay, that's fine. We can do that easily. Throw a $500 fee on it. You can probably even make it more. Another shipper might say, hey, uh, you're going to have to be at 99% on time to the minute to every single appointment. Now, we can do that. We've, we we have not hit that for any of our any of our customers today because uh, it's damn. I mean that's like perfection and nobody's doing that asset or broker. But I'm confident we could set up the right structure in terms of this kind of white glove model where we have the right check ins in place with our carriers, where we have the right agreements in place in the event that a carrier breaks down and we need to bring a different driver onto that load to make sure it delivers on time. I mean, there are ways we can, we are a service provider first and foremost, and therefore we can provide the highest level of service. It's just a matter of what does our customer need? So if you want 99% for a $500 fee on that, that's going to be expensive, right? That's, that's, mm-hmm. we're going to need to put significant upcharges on that and then pay our carriers those significant upcharges to make sure we get the quality of service that's demanded. So everything, every part of this ordeal is meant to be situational where a shipper tells me, tells us what it is they need from us. And we come up with a solution that makes sense. And we put our money where, where our mouth is to support it. Wow. Yeah. Hey, it's not a bet. It's they're, they're not trying to make a bet to make some money. They're trying to make sure that this, the service level are, are there. And to make contracts stickier and, yeah. and more and more real. Um, Angel, let's have some fun before you go. Let's spin the real, the wheel of stupid questions really, uh, really quick with you, with, with you. We'll see what we come up with. Go ahead. What, what do we got? What do we got here? Oh, this is a good one, too, because you are a fiery guy. Who, would, who in freight would you like to fight in the octagon? Oh, God. <laughs> Bill Drinkert? <laughs> no, I like Bill. I like Bill. Uh, but he's kind of skinny. Maybe I could fight him and beat him. Um, I don't know. Uh I, my brother. I'll put no. that out there. I can see my brother. That's ah, there you go. I can't get in trouble if I said fight my brother. I love him to death. He just had his first kid. I'm an uncle. It's crazy. Oh wow! Uh, hey, I'm a, hey, a little, hey, a little cowbell for him. A little cowbell for yeah, uh, kid, uh, kid number one. Congrats. Yep. Yep. So, I'll leave it at that. That's the least uh, controversial answer I can give. Keep it in the sibling rivalry. Uh, 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 all right. Where, where do you church? You're trying to avoid controversy. I am trying to at this point. <laughs> Unsuccessfully. All right, so. Well, here, just the, <laughs> the second part of that question. What round do you win in? With Matt? Oh, first round. Oh, wow. All oh, right. All right. Now sibling rivalry. There. Now we're getting there. Yeah, I love, I love I'm, it, Andrew. I'm taller. He's yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Great. No, no, tell us. Tell us why. Give us your reasoning here. You're taller. No, I'm, I'm taller. Sure. I'm a little more nimble. I'm not very nimble, but a little more nimble. Okay. All right, all right. We're we're actually having him on in a couple of weeks too, so we'll get his. Uh, yeah, we'll have to his, stoke this flame yeah. a little bit. We'll see his side of the equation. We'll get <laughs> Freight Waves live. We'll put the ring in there. We'll get you in there. We'll get you versus who do you want to go against? Eric Serta or someone? Uh, no, Chris Jolly. Oh, Chris It'll Jolly. It'll be a warm yeah, up. The be like, coach. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, where do people go to find out more about Molo? Shipmolo.com. Shipmolo.com. Keeping it easy. Yeah, man. Yes, hey, sir. Andrew, thanks for uh, some of your time today. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Good talking to you guys. You too. Thanks, Take care. Man. Wow. Big, big fight in the octagon. We got to do this. You know, now that we started talking about the, that, especially that octagon question, people have been, uh, people have been requesting it at Freightways Live. That and like live band stuff. They really want to see a lot of like, maybe like a gigantic wheel of stupid questions, like a wheel of fortune or a oh, price yeah, right type of wheel. Yeah. Yeah. A play it forward. We got to have a, a real, uh, a large one. We got to have, uh, yeah, we got to have live music. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Thomas Smiley, Thomas Smiley Jr. He says, I am in Southwest. I am Southwest of Chicago. They haven't seen the craziness just yet. Um, Jake McLeod said it's crazy in Michigan now. And look, I'll tell you how this bullwhip stuff happens. So I'm starting, mm-hmm. we're starting to hear about this stuff going away. So I'm on Amazon.com and I was like, oh, Cottonelle's on stock, in stock. Mm-hmm. So I bought like two things of Cottonelle, right? I usually wouldn't buy two. So you yeah. get everyone buying double the dose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of double doses, so in good news, bad news. So we mentioned this vaccine, right? We mentioned the yeah, vaccine. Yeah, let's talk about good stuff. Well, the bad news was, so f- the bad news was that, f- I mean, this, the, this is good news, bad news, good news. Pfizer announced a COVID-19 vaccine last Monday, right? Yeah. However, it requires two doses, so double the amount of freight, but probably even more because when you think about spoilage, so it could be like three times, even four times the yeah. amount of freight, right? Um, and it had to be stored at negative 94 degrees, which creates this huge amount of logistical challenges. Lori Ann was like, you know, it might be at the point where you don't get the vaccine to people. People have to come to the vaccine. You have to go to like a vaccine distribution center. Yeah, and that begs the question, how do you get them there? On a bus? Exactly. And what if you get COVID on the bus on the way yeah, there? Yeah, it doesn't cure it. It prevents it. <laughs> it, it doesn't at all. Right. Well, well, here's the good news. What has me excited this morning is we read about Moderna, right? Moderna has announced their vaccine. And not only is it over 94% effective, just about 95% effective, it only requires a single dose. Big, big win there. Huge. It can be kept at negative four Fahrenheit in terms of movement and distribution. Then when it gets there, once it gets to the distribution center or at your doctor, or even at your house, maybe, you can put it in a refrigerator for 30 days. It can stay for 30 days. And here's the last awesome thing about it. It's made by some wicked smart people right over that Longfellow Bridge from Boston in Cambridge, Massachusetts. How do you like them apples? <laughs> well, very well done. <laughs> very well done. Yeah, I'm very happy about this one because now you're talking about you can, you know, the scheduling of it, going to your doctor, your home doctor, physician, that type of stuff. You don't have to have those cryogenic freezers and stuff like that. Well, I got to say, last week when Lori was telling us, too, you know, we were talking after on here and we're like, this sounds like it's going to be a huge pain in the ass to, to distribute. Now, great, like, look, we need this vaccine, but this just makes it so much easier. And you know what? It introduces a lot more carriers into the equation who can actually carry and pull this stuff it's slightly less specialized than what you'd have to do with Pfizer. And it's better for the, I mean, when you think about the world as well, outside the United States, you start to get, and in other countries, obviously, like in Europe and stuff, you start getting into South America and Africa and so on, you start to have less and less of the infrastructure to handle something that has to be negative 94 degrees. Well, how do you get people to take two doses? You can't even yeah. get people to wear masks more. Most of the time, how are you going to get yeah. them to take two doses of the vaccine? Yeah, that's like one of the fatal. I'm not going to say it's a fatal flaw. I'm sure there'll be good circumstances for the Pfizer one, but yeah. this seems much more positioned for wide release. Yeah, it absolutely does. So, uh, um, more bad news. Okay. More bad news. California Governor Gavin Newsom announced that his state, in conjunction with Oregon and Washington, issued travel advisories urging visitors entering their states. <clears throat> or returning home from travel outside of those states to self-quarantine to slow the spread of the virus. The travel advisories urge against non-essential out-of-state travel, asked people to self-quarantine for 14 days after mm. arriving from another state or country, and encouraged residents to stay local. Mm. Another lockdown statewide. Another travel lockdown. restrictions, very tough. The good news, though, for all of us is, once again, our heroes are exempt. The front line, the truck drivers are exempt from this order, as are other essential workers. And uh, I hope you're treating them well with good respect, because these guys help us, these guys and girls in the trucks. Yeah. We need them moving those essential goods. Yeah, I mean, it's good news, but, I mean, unless you're the essential worker, you're worried about working during uh, yeah, I mean, this situation. It's good news that they're exempt. Better news if they actually keep working and pull us through like they did before. 
I think that we like look. We knew this was coming. Realistically, cold and flu season is coming. It's it's harder to get out of doors. You're surrounded by more people. Restaurants yeah. are going to have a huge challenge with seating people during these things. There's probably going to be another wave of lockdowns. It's going to be hard to do. Uh, at least this year, it's going to be hard to do. You know, in, at a federal level. Um, I know everyone's nervous about it. Uh, just just buckle in. Be prepared. Think think ahead. It, it regardless of your opinion of lockdowns, they could be coming. So just know about it. It could impact you, your family, and your business. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, swim with the current. Go, go which way it's going. Here's some good news. Sony PlayStation promised that Sony promised that PlayStation 5 release won't suffer the same scarcity of the 2013 PS4's debut. You buying that? Bill? Nobody believed that. So, and that, that <laughs> the bad news is that that headline from CBR.com is from September, and obviously it couldn't be further from the truth. And if you go on eBay right now, you're seeing PlayStation Fives for over two thousand dollars for just about two thousand dollars. Fortunately, they have fast and free shipping, so they got that going for them. I also love that all the sellers, their, their reviews are like tank. They're like three stars. Oh, yeah. Now. They're, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One and a half stars. Four yeah, grand. <laughs> well, here it is. So Bloomberg reported in September, right after that headline, when they said, no, there won't be any stockouts. And if you've, if you've tried to get any video game console on release, this isn't exclusive to Sony. It's always a challenge. There's a lot of demand and usually more demand than they can sell because of just the way manufacturing works. And if you understand yeah. logistics, you kind of understand it, but you can only host so many PS4s in a warehouse at a time and move them out. And you can only manufacture so many different parts at a time. Well, Bloomberg also reported that there was a production issue with the main ship. So four, they were going to be short 4 million of the 11 million units they plan to ship by March. Yeah. Sony denied it, but you know, right now if you go on eBay, you can't get one of these systems. People are going crazy. $2,000, man. That's a lot of money. All right, hold and on they, a second. What you At what here? price would you sell yours? Uh, I, see, I don't know. Before I open, I didn't look on eBay before I opened mine. I mean, maybe I would have boosted it for two thousand. It's already open now. We're already playing it. Oh, I'd okay, ruin so the kids' hearts. Nineteen ninety nine. I mean, yeah. I, you know, if like I was new. If, if I if this was like ten years ago, yeah, definitely would have. Yeah, definitely would. With the yeah. kids, maybe not because you already opened it. You're excited yeah. and not as big a deal. But gotcha. definitely when uh or when I was like uh, Sherry, when you could barely afford the 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 ice cream and like five hundred dollars would really 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 put me out. Like, yeah. but I'd yeah. get it anyway. Yeah. Then I would sell for two thousand bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. A little, a little Space Waves, some good space news. Space Waves, December 3rd coming up, but here's some great space news to go along with it. Yeah. The first black crew member is on the International Space Station, so congratulations to Victor Glover. Very notable for yeah. NASA. Yeah, he's worked to spotlight the hidden figures in his history, but so far it's only sent 14 black Americans to space. Out of a total of more than 300 NASA astronauts, well, the International Space Station, that seal has been broken, and they are, they're there now. Yeah, that's well, they took off last yesterday, right? Yeah, last yesterday evening, seven twenty nine p.m. or something like Look, that. Look, and and heaven is a place on Earth. Well, we always talk about the stars. We talk about NASA yeah. and everything, and people go, "Well, you know, what does NASA do?" NASA has a huge return on investment yes. for the R and D they do, and you're seeing it being used more and more, especially as technology advances. Like Whisk, the urban air mobility company behind the world's first all electric self driving air taxi, is teaming with NASA in the first partnership between the two organizations to focus on the safe integration of autonomous aircraft systems into urban air mobility applications on a national level. So this stuff's getting uh, more and more realistic, too. We're going to get our flying cars? Is that what you're saying, finally? We've been promised. And, and that skateboard <laughs> from Back to the Future. Yeah. Remember that... when hoverboards came out like three years ago and they set your house, or ten years ago, whenever those, and they set your house on fire, but they didn't actually hover? 
Yeah, <laughs> they didn't actually offer. They just burned the house down. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone, you can find this show free. You can find this show on FreightWaves.com slash podcast. All our podcasts are there. Subscribe to the newsletter. Go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT. Making it super, super easy. Some people in the comments said, what about First Gear? Go to FirstGear.com. You can find their diecast trucks there. Uh, you can find our show on podcast players everywhere. Just look up What the Truck or look up FreightCast, and you'll find every single FreightWaves podcast on one convenient feed. If you only listen to the audio version of this, you can watch the video version live Mondays and Fridays, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, FreightWaves link. LinkedIn, Freightways Facebook. You can also watch it on demand on the Freightways TV app, which is available on your Roku. You know where it's not available yet? PlayStation 5. we got to fix that. I looked yeah, we'll it up on PlayStation 5. It's not there yet. Find me on Twitter, at Timothy Donuts, D-O-O-N-E-R, him at Vincent the Dude. Continue the conversation. We'll catch you uh, Friday. Peace and love, everyone. Yeah. Peace and love, everybody. Thanks to our guest today. Spinning the wheel, making the deal, and having a good time with Dooner and the Dude on this show that we call What the Truck, Brother. <laughs> <laughs>